Over 2 million Americans are in prison and approximately 70 million Americans have a criminal record. Bad Boys Jail and Juvenile Ministries believes the church has a unique capacity and calling to respond to the crisis of crime and incarceration. In response, we present Inside Out. And now, our hosts, Wilson and Rascal. Welcome to the Inside Out Show and Podcast. I'm Wilson along with Rascal, and this is where we spend time helping each other find ways to position ourselves with purpose for positive change. Because in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I have the plans to prosper you and not to harm you, says the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. Hey, Rascal, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Wilson? Okay. Hey, before we introduce where we're at, I want to ask you a question. Yes. What is your favorite prison movie? Ooh, Alcatraz. Alcatraz. I love Alcatraz. Have you ever been there? No. Have you ever been to San Francisco? No. We went there and kind of floated by it, you Did know? You? Yeah, and we had our young son, and he was. Did act- you have your water wings on? No, but I had my young son with us. Yeah. And he was acting up so bad. I told the the ferry driver, "Go over, go over to the the, the jail. I'm tired. I'm you know my son's driving me crazy. Go drop him off. We we'll just drop him off, right? right. But uh, didn't you know, scare him. No, he was no. only two. He didn't know what mm-hmm. I was doing anyway. But uh, my favorite one is um, Shawshank. Ooh. Yeah, Shawshank. Um, if you've never seen that movie, Shawshank Redemption is pretty good. We're kind of at Shawshank right now. We're in the big house. I think this is probably one step up from Shawshank. Yeah, this is, this is the big house. It's, uh, actually, we're in uh, Jeff City. Yeah, so if you hear an echo, it's yeah. a real echo. It's not, we didn't create that. No, it's no. It's a real echo. In we're here. at the Missouri State Penitentiary. Yes, we are. And we are guests, right? So excited. Yes. We, we get they welcomed us in. Yes. They don't have tours today. No, they don't. So we're here. I'm going to give out that information. We'll give it out again as the show goes on, but uh, I want to just give this out real quick because we got some, some cool people to talk to, some cool things to touch on. But this is uh, it's called the Missouri State Penitentiary. It's an historical state penitentiary in Jeff City. They do have a phone number, 866-998-6998. You can reach them through the email through info at MissouriPenTours.com. Missouri Pen, P-E-N, tours.com. In fact, I believe that's their web address, too. And then they're at 115 Lafayette Street, Jefferson City, Mo, 65101. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if, if you didn't get that down, you can always write us, and we'll send you some information about this. And you can get to us at Bad Boys Jail Ministry, P.O. Box 125, Flint Hill, Missouri, 63346. You can reach us online at... Bad Boys with a Z. There you go. Jail and Juvenile Ministries on Facebook. There you go. Okay, and this place also has a museum. I believe that's across the street. And their operating hours are Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Hey, before we get into a lot of our discussion here, we kind of tie a verse into our our stuff, right? Yep. And we've got uh, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are at a habit of doing, but encouraging one another at all times more as you see the day approaching. This ties, kind of ties into our, our tagline, position ourselves with purpose for positive change. Correct. So I guess we could say meeting with one another in a, a fellowship is position ourselves, right? Right. And on our way up, you were talking about um, position ourselves with a little bit more different perspective. Yes. We, they have tours here, right? Yes. They have tours here. 
And there are a lot of people who probably say that the whole paranormal thing uh-huh. is bunk. Ghosts aren't real. All paranormal can be explained away. It's just a figment of people's imagination. But is that really true? Is it true? You think that's true? Do I think it's true? Yes. I'm going to introduce our guest real quick, and I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him, Michael. You're going to put he, him on the spot. He's Very kinda, diplomatic of you. He's he's kind of the the historical resident here, correct? Would you? Uh, call- one of them, yes. All righty. So I, I'm going to ask a question that Rascal asked me, or Rascal is going to ask me. That's going to ask you. That's going to me. I'm going to. You get it him, all. Confused. Ask him the question. That's way too much confusion. All right, go ahead and ask him a question. So do you think that that's true? That all paranormal can be explained away. I, I don't. I don't believe that all of it can be explained away. Uh, and I'm someone who approaches it trying to explain it away first. Right. I, I've had a lot of experiences, most of them here in my life. And that's my first thought is, what else could it have been? There sure. you go. That's sure. a rub right there. Yeah. That's a rub. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of times it can be explained away, but it's the ones that leave you questioning. Those, those are the ones that are fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well... Even going back into childhood, I was mesmerized with ghosts. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother used to say on Halloween, you've been a ghost for six years. You're going to be a ghost again. But I just loved being the ghost. So obviously, growing into my teens, into my 20s, I was mesmerized with the whole paranormal thing. So being here today in a facility where it has been investigated many, many, many times by different paranormal groups have come in here and set up cameras and gotten footage of different things. This is putting me in a place where I love to be in this. Now, a lot of people say, okay, you're a pastor and you like paranormal. Yeah. You know, how out. does this go hand in hand? Well, paranormal is real, but it is not what a lot of people think that it is because when you go to scripture and obviously when we get into the bible the bible is how much percent accurate with history 100 percent. there's never been anybody who's disproven anything that was in the bible everything has been proven they've even had archaeologists now use the bible before they go do digs because it's so accurate to find locations of different things that are buried there so let's take a look at this ephesians 6 12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the what? The spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, heaven, people think, is on a cloud up there and a little guy playing on. No. Heaven is everything. Heaven and earth, it's all encompassed. These things are real. We have to look at 2 Corinthians yeah, this 11. Is, this is one of my favorites. 11, right 14, and 15. And no wonder, if Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light, it is not surprising then that his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Now, people say, yeah, but... Somebody talked to their dead grandma. The grandma came back and she, it was her voice and she knew things that only grandma knew. Well, to that end, let's look at what it says here. Psalm 146.4. When their spirits depart, they return to the ground. On that day, their plans 
come to nothing. That means that they're not here. They're not visiting people. Now, Job 7, 9, and 10 says, As a cloud vanishes and is gone, so one who goes down to the grave does not return. He will never come into this house again. His place will know him no more. And Ecclesiastes 9, 5, and 6 For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love and hate and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have part in anything that happens under the sun. Now, are we supposed to communicate with demonic spirits? Leviticus 19.31 says... Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritualists, for you will de- be defiled by them, and I am the Lord your God. Next now this, question. Now, this next part I next like. One. I'm going to read the questions. All okay? right, go ahead. You know, as a kid, sure. you know, when people are talking about you know, evil spirits or ghosts or whatever you want to call it, all of a sudden we're afraid, right? Right, it gives you chills. Right, so here's the question. Should we be afraid? Should we avoid places that claim there's ghosts? And will these ghosts or demonic forces harm us? You know, right. I'm not saying that I dwell on them. I don't believe in ghosts, but I do believe that... You don't are, get into it like I get into it. No, 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 I don't. Do, but I do believe that we are fighting not against flesh and blood, but against spirits. Principalities, yeah. Right. So what does it say? Should we be afraid? Go ahead. Read it. John, First John, John 4, 1 through 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have come into the world. And then the second verse is, this is how you can recognize them. Every spirit that acknowledges Christ has come from God. Three, but every spirit that is does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God, right? So you dear children, are you from God, are from God and have overcome them? That's us, that's believers. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one in the world. And that brings me comfort. So so I guess the answer to that is- So no, we should not fear. It is here, there are demonic forces that dwell. and, And from what I understand from guys who've done a whole lot more studying than I have, every inch on the earth is covered with some type of demonic spirit. So there are demonic spirits all around us, no matter where we're at. Now, there are locations that have become more active Mm -hmm. because there have been more things happen there, which like this place, you know, and the limestone, you know, limestone has a lot to do with that too, of being a comforting place for the indwelling of spirit beings. Wow. So Romans 8, 31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then Romans 8, 38, 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Psalm 91, 9 through 11 says, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, Mm -hmm. no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. That right there tells us that what else is around us? Angelic, which is another part of paranormal. Right. So we have 
yeah. an, ho, another whole realm of things going on around us right. that are angelic and demonic that right. we can't physically see all the time with our eyes. Sure. But there have been times that some of those have been caught mm -hmm. on tape because devices that we have nowadays can pick that stuff right. up. Our ministry here, Bad Boys Jail Ministry, the Inside Out Show, we're starting to transition into video. We're trying. Yes, we're trying it. Yeah. So Rascal's set up. I know that you all listen on the podcast can't see. If you'd like to see, you can go to our Facebook page and, and, and try to bring it up there. But we have a camera here, and we're in a place that definitely looks like it's kind of a, I want to use a horror story, but it's, it's a very, very, very old place. And if evil wanted to dwell anywhere, <laughs> if evil wanted to reside somewhere, this would this be, would be the place to go. But um, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to kind of shift gears here a little bit. I want to transition a little bit because we're talking about the Bible and yes. about evil spirits and we're in a jail, right? Right. And we came here on purpose. There's a reason why we're in this space. The Bible does talk about jail. A lot. In fact, some of the research I did has anywhere between 40 and 50 different references to jail, prisons, things right. like that. But they generally talk to them in two ways. Physical jail. The Bible talks physically and metaphorically. Right. And physically, we have, you know, Joseph in prison in Egypt. We've got Jeremiah was falsely uh, in prison. And of course, in the New Testament, the Gospels, all the apostles were in and out of jail, you know, being doors were flung open, things like that. Right. And then more metaphorically speaking, in the Psalm, David wrote about hiding in a cave. He used the word prison yes. when he talked about well, that. Well, back then, a lot of caves were where they kept right. prisoners. Right. And then uh, Isaiah talks about being delivered from prison, and I use quotation marks, the, actually the, the prison of our heart. Yes. Um, and then in Luke, Jesus warns about the prison of the heart, the darkness. He, talk, he uses prison and darkness in the same metaphor there. So physically and metaphorically jails. But we're in a physical jail now. We're in physically in. Right. And we're behind the walls. We are behind the walls. And yep. we're going to talk a little bit about this because I think it's cool. Uh, we're going to come back on a tour sometime with our family, yes. things like that, because they've been gracious enough to open this when there's no tour, that we can come in here with a little bit more privacy, if you will, to do our podcast. But yes. we want, and we encourage people to come to yes. the- come down, bring your families down here. Right, right. So we're going to kind of transition into our interview with Michael as far as his historical prowess is concerned regarding the prison. And tell us when it was first opened, Michael, the prison itself. This prison opened in March of 1836. It opened the same week that the Alamo fell in no Texas. way that's bizarre i like that that's yeah. good history yeah. right there uh, i always tell guests on the tours everything you know about society today forget about it this was a world when this prison opened yes it's good it's good yeah um so it, it opened in 1836 along the, the banks of the mississippi here or the missouri excuse me the length um do you have any inkling of what the town might have looked out like when it was I'm sure big, big time <laughs> well, different. You might have been able to see it from here. Uh, <laughs> the prison was built outside the city limits, so it looked totally different from anything yeah. that people are going to see mm -hmm. when they come here today. There were 31 families in Jefferson City at the wow. time this prison opened. Jeff City was created to be the state capital okay. at that time. And you have to remember, you know, in, in the 1820s, 1821, Missouri became a state and they wanted some place for the state capital. Well, the legislature at the time was meeting in St. Charles in the St. Louis area, and they mm -hmm. wanted a more central location because if you've got a, a representative from what today is Joplin or Springfield or St. Joseph, and right, they've got to travel to meet with the legislature, they got a long way to yes. go compared to somebody who's in St. Louis, Hannibal, what Makes total sense. Right. Yeah. And, you know, especially back in those days when it was horseback right. or yeah. you know, railroads weren't even Yeah, it a wasn't a two-hour drive. And so that's why they wanted this central location that is on the river. Uh, or eventually, the railroad was here, too. 
Uh, and uh, so that's the largest part of the reason Jeff City was created was to be the state capital. Makes sense. And then they moved it here and the, half the policymakers thought this was a terrible location. There's nothing here. This was still frontier. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's why the prison was put here was to keep the capital here. I did read that. Yeah. It was kind of like an anchor point for them saying, that was, okay. That was to make a better argument for this being the state capital. Wow. Because before then, it was the capital and really, there, there wasn't even railroad in this town when the capital came here. We didn't even have the latest form of transportation available at the time. Mm -hmm. And so there were a lot of good arguments in the day made to move it somewhere else in the state. Right. And this, this prison was put here to help keep the capital in this city. And it worked. Yeah, it, it did. Essentially Obviously, did. it worked. Essentially yeah. did. At its height, at its zenith, how many prisoners or, or residents, as we call them sometimes in the ministry, were here? According to the warden's reports from as recently as the 1950s, their count, their top count for this place was in March of 1933, more than 4,700 inmates. Wow. Say that again? More than 4,700 inmates in 1933. Wow. wow. And you know the reason that that ended up being the peak was it's 1933 before there was a second prison in the state. 97 years, this was the only prison in the really state. the only one. Then you have Algoa open up out here east of town. You start uh -huh. to see the boys home in Boonville, the girls home in Chillicothe. And that's when we finally start to see the numbers going the other direction. Up until then, it had been a steady incline uh -huh. yeah. for all those decades leading up to 1933. Sure. And that's when you finally have another prison in the state for right. some of these folks to go. Wow. Right. So this kind of started out as just a, a holding pen, holding pen, so to speak, penitentiary. And then I was reading online that you guys started to build hospitals and some other outbuildings to help kind of give services to the guys. There were uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 buildings at one point in this prison's history, I believe is right. But yes, there were hospitals, there were greenhouses, there were factory buildings. At one time, there's as many as five shoe factories in this no prison, kidding. all of them privately owned. And, uh, you know, the greenhouses that were used over the years to help feed the inmates, and then that eventually grew into full-on prison farms in this area. And I want to say at one time there was as many as five farms around Jefferson City, one of which became Algoa. Uh, there's still one standing out here across the river, the Wrens Prison Farm. And by the way, you guys might find interesting, too, you mentioned the word penitentiary a moment ago. We get the word penitentiary from the prison system that was in use here and at other prisons early in, you know, 1830s. And part of one of the tenets of the silent system, or it was called the Quaker system or the Pennsylvania Dutch system, was they would have they wanted inmates to repent or become oh. penitent. Oh, look at hey. that! So you'd be you guys would be interested in knowing that's, that's where we cool. in this country anyway. That's where we get the word penitentiary. Repent. I'm stealing. I'm stealing it. Hey, we're going to use that now. <laughs> right, we're going to be using. We're going to use that. And you yeah. know, I being a cowboy pastor of a cowboy church where we have the arena and everything. I found it interesting. I didn't know this till last night, which I had to get to bed. I'm like 12 o'clock at night. I'm like, I got to get up at 5.30 tomorrow morning. I got to go to bed. But mesmerized with watching documentaries on this place, but found out that they had a saddle-making company that the inmates made. Two of them? Two saddle tree Two factories Two saddle tree here. factories where they actually made the wooden saddle trees that they wrapped the leather around to make the saddles. Wow. When back before there was a Model A and a Model T in this country, and most people used horses every day, this prison led the world in production of saddle trees. Wow. We are not That's exaggerating cool. on the tours when we say fortunes were made off the backs oh, of the yes. convicts that were here. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. And this place, if I'm not mistaken, is 47 acres. There's some dispute about that. 
Sheila's laughing at me. There's some dispute about that. Uh, Time Magazine dubbed it at 47 acres, and they may have been right. Others have said it was 43 acres inside the wall. But yeah, me, it's over 40 acres. It was over 40 acres, but let me emphasize that's the, the key words there are inside the wall, because right. if you count the you know, contiguous property, prison property, went for another quarter mile up the river behind us uh -huh. here, got to be over 170 acres. That's not counting other sites in town that were rock quarries and other sites right. that were tied to the prison, and that's not counting the prison farms, which some of those got to be five, six, seven hundred acres. Right. So wow. all around this area, there are ties to this prison, not just in people and the people who had loved ones who did time here, who worked here, mm -hmm. are all over the state. But literally, there's, there's dozens of sites and probably a couple of thousand acres just in the Jeff City area alone God. that well, you, were tied to this prison. You used the, the word quarry. Again, I was kind of stalking you guys online, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And it says that the stones that made up the, the primary Foundation. foundations mm -hmm. and things like that were actually quarried here. Mm -hmm. Now, was that quarried by the inmates themselves, or how does that... Once there are enough inmates here, now early days, no inmates or not enough convicts here, enslaved labor would have been used. Okay. But once there are enough convicts in this prison, almost everything was done by convict labor, convict labor well into the 1900s. Wow. You mentioned, as we were coming in, you were introducing us to the place, um, and we're in what cell block or what building are we in? This is housing unit four or huh? A hall. This is the oldest building that still so stands. So this is the most famous part of the of the, the, the facility as, as, as we right. know. And you mentioned that, uh, and we're looking, ladies and gentlemen, we're looking at a very, uh, and I don't mean any disrespect, a dilapidated um, well, yeah. structure. I mean, Perpetual decay, right, as that, we like to call yeah. it in historical There you circles. go. See, I learned something new again. <laughs> but you mentioned that this place in its heyday or before it was closed, it was actually upkept by the inmates themselves. They painted the walls. They obviously swept and mopped and cleaned, but they kept it in. They were in, the PM. Right. So, um, yeah, in, inmates had jobs throughout this prison, and anytime you needed work to be done in this prison, you have to remember you've got a workforce here that's sometimes numbered in the thousands. So no job would go undone, even if you're short-staffed. And there were many jobs being done by inmates that you know, the cleaning, the painting, the taking care of the yard out here and the trimming back the shrubs, you know, mopping the floors, but also clerical work was being done. Right. I, I know of inmate, I know of murderers doing surgeries in the hospitals here. Wow. Guys who were convicted of murder sent to this prison. Using a knife for a whole new reason. Yeah. There you go. They were convicted, doctors who were sent to this prison convicted of murder, but they needed a doctor. They and were short-staffed. Boom. As long as there he didn't go. screw up that privilege, he had a pretty good life here working as a doctor. Wow. At least one that I know of, and I'm, I'm confident he wasn't the only one. I'm right. sure not. Yeah. Yeah. I had the awesome privilege to go to Israel last fall. And Israel, um, as, from a biblical standpoint, has archaeology like you would not believe. So when I was looking at your, your, your website, I, I came across something called the Discovery of the Centennial Cells. <laughs> what, what, okay, that, I mean, I label it archaeology, archaeology of the jail. So what mm. is, what's going on here? So the centennial cells, and let me, let me first just say briefly, uh, that, <laughs> that just sparks my interest to see what else is buried here. I oh, wish yeah. I could go through me this too. place <laughs> and do some, some probing. But Grab a shovel. I'm ready. Centennial Hall was one of the two tallest buildings MSP ever had. 
Centennial Hall was six floors on one end, five floors on the other, 360 cells, I believe, 320, 360 cells. Two giant water tanks on the roof of that building provided water pressure for the fire department that this prison had. It oh, had wow. an inmate fire department, wow. had its own fire engine. When Centennial Hall was finally torn down, and I think we narrowed it down to sometime around 1912-ish that it would have been, it was torn down, no, or excuse me, it, it would have been about 1920-ish, sometime after Three House was built, they, uh, they left the basement level cells of that building. Now, when those were rediscovered, let me first of all say, Centennial Hall was built in the 1870s, but they constantly built on the one building on the top of the one before it. The cells themselves may not be 1870s. Right. Those cells were buried when that building was torn down, and over time, people forgot that. Well, in the 1980s then, when a law was, a, or a court ruling rather, came down that said you can't lock guys in their cells 24-7 anymore, this prison had to have some place to let the guys who were on ad saying in death row get their rec time. They, and they weren't going to put them with the other inmates to do that. So they right. built they built specific rec cages for those inmates between housing units two and three over here where Centennial Hall used to be. And they stumbled across these formerly buried cells. Wow. Dug them up briefly in the 80s, checked them out. Let's see what's there. Reburied them to wow. put those cages in. Okay. Well, here what's it been three years ago now. The Convention Visitors Bureau paid the, you know, footed the bill, foot the bill to have those dug back up and added to our tours. Nice. And so we have Very cells cool. that are certainly 1870s, perhaps Very. earlier. We, we have awesome. some indication, maybe 1840s, but we know at least 1870s cells. And there's, there was graffiti in those. There's graffiti in those cells oh, that dates it. back at least to 1918. Wow. So uh, not to put you on the spot, but do you think personally, your p personal opinion, do you think they'll ever re-engage in the archaeological science here on this campus? Never say never. And as a hist history nut, I would love to see more of it done. Uh, one never knows what might be done right. with the rest of this site. And I am so hopeful that at some, at some point in time, you know, we're, there's still debate over where the first cell block was. And there's, there may, you know, maybe one of these days we'll do some work to see if we can find the, where the foundation for that was. Right. E-Hall, where the riot began, sits over here just next to this building. That, and we 54? know some of the foundation. Yeah. Uh, I say the riot. There were dozens of riots. Yeah. But the one everybody thinks of, yeah, the, the 54 riot. Right, yeah. Right. Best documented riot. Right. We know the foundation of that building. So there's a mile and a half of steam tunnels under this prison. And I would love to see some little section of those opened up to tours that just so people cool. could see be. them. Are they walkable or crawling? They're walkable. They're, okay. they're archways. I don't know how tall, but it, it looks like tall enough I could stand up at least in the center. Kind of like brick, maintenance Brick tunnels. archway. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Some of those tunnels like used to run into the basement of the homes across the street where the, the business wow. owners running the factories oh, oh, oh. in here used to live. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they sneak moonshine through them probably. <laughs> I, I'm not going to speculate. <laughs> no, <on. laughs> now, there was a few notable residents here mm -hmm. now i have a list mm -hmm. of three and in fact ladies and gentlemen if you could if we could pan with our video or if you were here you'd notice there's a cell down there called 33 who was who was in that cell sonny liston was in that sonny liston that was that famous boxer right he yep. was a world heavyweight champion boxer. Oh, wow. he was taught to box here he learned to box here yeah yeah he learned to box as part of the there was a vibrant boxing program in this prison for decades and uh, he got a little, somewhat 
involved in that, but largely it was two Catholic chaplains who were here at the time that he was here who taught him to box. Oh, wow. And he became good enough within two years. He was discovered by a boxing promoter, and that's where his career began. Uh, but Sonny Liston's cell is one that you can see on the tours. Uh, he probably shared that cell with at least five other guys when he came here in 1950. Wow. wow. Uh, but Sonny Liston is one, and then uh, did you have a couple more? You, uh, I bet you- nobody stole his bunk. No. <laughs> they, they only tried it once. <laughs> yeah. um, Pretty Boy Floyd is one who Pretty is boy. here. Who's yeah, that's another name a lot of people will recognize. Pretty Boy. Uh, the rumor I've way is that he was very fond of the prison hooch when he was here. Wow! Uh, but he was here after what was his first well-known heist, a twelve thousand dollar payroll heist, which I think in today's dollars is somewhere in the neighborhood of two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Uh, but he did some time in one of our one of the buildings that's on the tours. We've identified one of the cells that he would have been okay. in during his time here. Uh, and then, of course, probably the most famous inmate, at least in the modern era, would have been James Earl Ray, who you know a lot of people. Well, they know that name. Where right. do I, I know? Where okay, do I know, where do that, I know that name? Where do I know that? He is famous for being convicted of the murder of Martin Luther King. Right. And there are those who speculate is he didn't do it alone. He but but etc. But certainly. He was convicted of that murder. Right. He was on the run from this prison when that murder occurred down in Memphis, Say Tennessee. Say that again. He was on the run. He was on the run for he escaped from this prison about eleven months before he, before Martin Luther King was murdered. No kid. And yep. and uh, yeah, they frankly, talk- if somebody just done their job in our Sally Port that day, at least that he day he, he wouldn't have gotten out. So, so I I did try to look up escapes, and there was mm-hmm. some I won't call it weird, but some kind of ambiguous. Um, paragraph about an attempted escape or something of that mm-hmm, nature, mm-hmm. but this was a bona fide escape out of here. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Not not the only one by any means. This place was kind of a sieve over the decades. To be quite <laughs> honest about it, we were just laughing this morning. Just this morning, I saw a line in a governor's address from 1921 that he was urging the legislators to change the law because if you escape from the prison and got caught, you could be prosecuted and get years added to your sentence. If you escape from one of the prison farms or one of the road sites or one of the other job sites elsewhere in the state, one against the law. Oh, wow. You wouldn't be prosecuted for escaping from all those sites. But there were, we have no idea how many people escaped from this prison over the years. Wow. The last number I've been able to find is from 1940, and by then it was more than 1,600. 1,600? And, and that's, we're not even sure that's all of them then. That's, that's how many they recorded at that time. There may have been more. Wow. wow. So what was their, uh, I mean, you think about uh, prison break movies and things like mm-hmm. that, tunneling here, tunneling there, having a hot air balloon come over and pick you up and, you know, cast you off somewhere. Well, MacGyver stuff. Yeah, MacGyver stuff. I mean, are there any notable escapes that, that you know, they tunnel for three years and I'm gonna, blah, blah, blah? I'm going to be the, the consummate tour guide and save a couple of the best ones for, I want to urge yeah, people don't, to come take the tours. Yes, but yes. Don't give but you, you took the words right out of my mouth, and I say this on the tours, you all have seen the movies. If you've seen it, they've done it. Yeah. And I'll take one that you mentioned, tunneling. 1935, I believe it was. Guy lived in a two. I want you to picture this sitting there at home. Tuck your arms up next to yourself and try to imagine living in a space two foot wide. He lived in a two foot wide tunnel for two months. A two foot wide tunnel. Two months while he was trying to dig his way out of here. You want to know the worst part of that story? The warden found out about it. You know what he said? Let's see if he can do it. Just let him keep digging. Let him keep going. And they did. And they had a pretty good idea when and where he'd come out. And when he finally did, sure enough, there's three guards standing there waiting on him with shotguns. They knew he was coming out. But they wanted to see if he could, if he could accomplish it. If he could it. actually do it, yeah. yeah. Two months he lived in wow. a two-foot-wide tunnel. 
Wow. That's crazy. Imagine the frustration of digging that of doing that and you come out and they're already waiting on oh, you. Oh yeah. That's because, the meanest thing anybody ever did that. You know, that you're you're not eating, obviously. But they were fun- his, his, cell- his cellmates were funneling him in food. Oh, were they? And they were helping smuggle the, the buckets of dirt out and uh, you know helping. The- so his cellmates were helping. So him. they were relieving him. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah. So yeah. I Two guess months. you know to transition. You no, know, because we're a prison ministry. We're a prison ministry. That's what we do. And our tagline again is position helping position people to uh, positioning with purpose for positive change. And a positive change would be to stay out of here. Obviously, right. these, these guys want to tunnel out. They want to stay out as well. But we, as, as um, clergy and other uh, citizens of the world, would, would probably advocate staying out through other means. Get out the right way, stay out the right way. Right. And that kind of transitions into the, the rehabilitation of, of inmates, because that's what we're about. That's what we want. We want our men and women to be rehabilitated. Our first, our first act of rehabilitation in our eyes is the acceptance of Christ as your Lord and Savior, right. and we're not gonna we're not gonna shy away from that, and that'll help position you towards towards the goal. Um, but I'm gonna name a couple, and they, they didn't come from here, but these are some notable um, inmates that have been rehabilitated over the years, and they have gone on to do miraculous things. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't tunnel out, uh, don't get a hot air balloon and get out, but. Uh, get out through position yourself with purpose and 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 we would ask you to position yourself with jesus first but we have and almost uh we have danny uh treo t-r-e-o yeah that the actor yeah yeah he was he was in in jail a number of times and he got out and i don't know if he capitalized on his 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 prison look but he sure looks tough he on the movies it, yeah. you know so he got out and uh once he was rehabilitated he um took the chance and went to acting and you know the history Very is on cool. that one. We have um, we have a gal by the name of uh, Georgia Durante. She was a getaway driver for the mafia and was put in prison in her uh, for her crimes of involvement with the infamous gangs that she was part of. Once released, though, she took her driving skills down a more legal route by starting her own stunt driving company, oh, wow. an organization that has since choreographed scenes in a hundred different movies. Wow. Talk about positioning yourself with purpose. Right. Right. Uh, we have a guy by the name of Kevin uh, Mitrick. Kevin was a hacker, computers, right? Before the internet was even known, he would hack into the government stuff. Charged with stealing software when he was only 16. He was in prison for seven years. Once released, he put his knowledge to good use by starting his own security company to help others protect their uh, technology infrastructure. Um, we have a guy by the name of I, I, I've heard this name before, but I'm not. A, I haven't watched TV for a while. Judge Mathis. There's a TV Judge show. Mathis. Judge Mathis. Yeah. yeah, I've heard of it. One of the most well-known reformers. Mathis was uh, in a gang and spent time in prison in his younger days. Putting that life in the past, he got his GED, which we would recommend. Definitely. Sure. Uh, went to Eastern Michigan University and then went to law school. He was a successful court uh, judge, and now he has a show that's been airing since 1999. Yep. Talk about rehabilitation. Yeah, right? Could I, Going full spectrum. Could I, if I could derail you for a moment, because it, you, you make me think of some of the rehabilitation stories that did come sure, from here. Sure, sure. One of them we talked about was Sonny Liston, but, you know, Sonny Liston was one who came here. Some, I've seen two different numbers, but he was somewhere, you know, 14 of 15, 17 of 18 children, more or less abandoned by his family, 
this was his first real shot at having not only people who supported him, because let me tell you, there were a lot of bad things that happened in this prison. And I'll talk more in a moment about how, if you'll let me, that inmates would sometimes support one another in here. First time he had three square meals a day in his life. Didn't know how to read and write when he came here. And look what he did with his right. life when he came out of right, here. But right. it didn't have to be athletics. You know, we, one of our most famous stories, Kate Richards O'Hare, uh, went on from being an inmate here for a year and a half to being a celebrated prison reformer and the assistant director of the California prison system. What's that name again? Kate Richards O'Hare. Wow. So she did a year and a half here, started pr reforming prisons while she was an inmate here yep. and went on to be running prisons out in, in, uh, in California. Uh, King of the Ivories and I'm blanking, Harry Snodgrass became a certainly nationally famous, if not internationally famous musician, and his musical career essentially began while he was here. He was a pianist when he came here, but he garnered national fame playing radio programs uh, with the prison band and the prison orchestra, and he wow. ended up getting an early parole and, be, and went on vaudevillian tours. Right. But even if, you, if you're not, even if you're not achieving fame of that level, the opportunities that you might have in front of you is, I'm, I've never been in a prison, guys, and I'm not going to say that I have any idea what it's like, but I feel like there are opportunities there, and, and it, we're sitting in a building where for many years this was, the, and I'm quoting the terminology of the day, they called it the black door, and this was yeah. all Afri African-American inmates for much of this building's operation. But one of the things that happened in this building here that we don't often hear about, we talk about the punishments and the dungeon cells and everything, but when this building was 9 to 11 men in every one of these cells, 1925, they started teaching these men to read. Think about that was huge. how different your life would be at this yes. point or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. You're 17, you're 35. If you'd never, you know, think about where you are in your life right now and imagine you, you don't know how to read and write and right, how different right. would your life be. Right. For many of the men in here, this was literally life changing. And when you had eight or nine guys in a cell and two of them are guys are two of them are struggling, the rest of them were coaching them on and helping them sound out this kind of word and learn this sentence structure. Right, they were help the helping time. each other. So here you are, the first time you have a sense of family, mm -hmm. maybe in your life. And I'm sure that was true for many of these guys, just like it was for Sonny. The first time they've experienced any kind of family, the first time they've had a place to sleep, the first time they've had three meal, square meals a day. Right. And here we are, you know, I'm talking about stuff from certainly the 30s, but when the 54 riot happened, it is often recorded. And this, this may be beggar's belief, stretches belief, but when the 54 riot did happen, it is recorded that not one single African-American inmate participated in that riot. Wow. And you want to know what I think one of the biggest reasons for that is because this was changing their lives. Right. This place, they didn't want to burn it down. They didn't want to destroy right, it. Right, right, right. Because they were give, being given opportunity, literally life-changing opportunities they had never had before. Right. One of the, you, what your story or your, your historical narrative um, kind of does go into our um, our tagline. I'm going to say it again. Position ourselves with purpose for positive change. Because, and, and that's going to kind of uh, dovetail into our, our verse, Hebrews 10, 24. And just part of it, the, the verse, is um, meeting together, fellowship. There was fellowship going on in here. Um, we know that because you just mentioned that they, they had taught these men how to read and write. Well, you can't do that by yourself. You have to be with somebody else. So they had, quote unquote, a family that was helping them position themselves with purpose. In this case, learning how to read and write. In some cases, learning the piano or the, piano or the boxing or the whatever it might be. 
so I think we can say with confidence, we can't do life alone. Not outside, not in the jails. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to surround yourself with people that want to help you position yourself with purpose for positive change. Who knows, you could be the next uh, Sonny Liston or, or one of these other characters. So Right, and, and just like he was saying, how many of them were crowded in there and how they helped one another right. out? And that goes right along with Matthew eighteen twenty, For where there are two or three gathered together, the early church devoted themselves to teaching and yeah. fellowship. That's it. And, and no matter what your situation is, how bad some people think your situation mm -hmm. is, hey, use it as a teaching. Be, be right. a teach one another. You guys and gals that are sitting there right now listening to this that are behind bars, you know, use this time to get every bit of you can get the GED that they want to give right. you. Help one another out. Yes. And if you need resources, again, you can write to Bad Boys Jail Ministry, P.O. Box 125, Flint Hill, Missouri, 63346. And we have, we have stacks of resources to help you guys maybe help you find housing. Find We even have a list of uh, colleges that you can take while you're incarcerated. Right. And how to position courses. yourself once you get out. Yep. Um, we have plenty of places we can plug you when you. Oh get yeah, out. we got halfway houses that we're we're connected with. To connection like to success. Yes, yes, yep. and so it was a wonderful, and um, we will be back. We as a yeah, we family. got 150 other questions for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I want I want I want to know about right here, smack behind us, right behind us, is a dungeon down there mm -hmm. that has its own whole historic story behind it Absolutely. which was the hole right and a lot of you guys and gals out there know about the hole where you're at they call it the shoe hey i guarantee you, it don't it don't compare to the hole right here no. this one that's no. right behind us no. where you where you go to the hole is a cakewalk compared to what this one is you right. know they're all horrible in their own way but this was this was medieval Oh yeah, this was straight up medieval here. Right, cave yep. black darkness. Sometimes, for we know of one man at least who did two years in this dungeon, never left that cell for a minute. We know of another man who did seventeen years in solitary in this prison. And solitary then, not necessarily what most people might think of solitary today, mm -hmm. but you know, some guys would be locked in these cells for years. Oh right. yeah, right, yeah. And we do not want that for you, ladies and gentlemen. No, we want no you out. absolutely not. I'm going to kind of uh, just go out on a limb and say, I want you all out on the streets preaching the gospel. That's what I want you yeah. to be doing. In whatever way it is for you to, to, to uh, tell how you uh, became a And if you're Christ. out there and you're thinking, why when I get out, why would I ever want to go to see a prison? But you know what? The history here is amazing, oh, and yeah. not only that, but no matter how bad you think you have it right now, mm -hmm. you need to come down here and see. Just right. walk in some of these cells, poke your head in here, and see what these, these men and these women down here had to deal with. Right. Well, I'm going to give out that address one more time, and then uh, we're going to say our goodbyes. Uh, we are at the Missouri State Penitentiary in Jeff City. It's on 115 Lafayette Street. Uh, their phone number is 866-998-6998. Uh, and you can find them at MissouriPenTours.com. They have tours, uh, two-hour tours, three-hour tours, private tours, history tours, student tours, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, what's your hours operation, real quick, on those on your tours? Your, um, they're just they're just kind of all kinds of different times of the day. So just yeah. call, but you're, call you're, you don't or do use Tuesdays the website. and Thursdays, right? Tuesdays and Thursdays, you're. 
No, Tuesdays no. and Thursdays? They're closed Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, and, then, one, and one thing, too, you gave the address there, but your GPS will sometimes take you to the back side of the prison. Oh, yeah. Make sure it takes you to Lafayette Street. Yeah, come yeah. around to Lafayette. Right. It's it's And we've all had that, right? Yes. The GPS. Unfortunately, some of our, our listeners, the GPS took them to a... Uh, a prison that they didn't want to go to but anyway that's happened here too we, that's a that's yeah. a metaphor that's a metaphor well thank you ladies and gentlemen thank you michael for, for yes for thank doing you this. so much for gentlemen thank you us. this is awesome i thank could you. sit here for four hours and pick your brain oh yeah <laughs> we won't do that to you right right well thank you ladies and gentlemen for listening we just appreciate that again our our address is uh, p.o box 125 flint hill missouri 63346 and remember don't let the devil's schemes control your dreams See you, rascal. All right. See you, Wilson. Have a good one, guys and gals.